name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Before you sit down, I want to read Judges 6, verses 11 to 24. Judges chapter 6, verses 11 to 24. And uh, we're going to have the words up on the screen so that you can follow what I'm reading. Judges 6. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the ark, under the ark in Ophrah that belonged to Joas, the Abizurite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our senses told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us out, up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of flour, he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the ark. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and place them on the rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is peace. To this day it stands in Ophrah of the Abezerites. This is the word of the Lord. Go ahead and have a seat. So this is the last uh, message in the sermon series, Hope in the Dark, uh, where we've been uh, looking into this uh, you know, concept of hope, expecting God's goodness when life is hard. That's the bottom line, expecting God's goodness when life is hard, because hope is actually living in anticipation to experience the goodness of God. And we've been talking about hope uh, for this whole month, you know, be it on Sundays, but also uh, as we've been fasting. You know, we've been fasting for 21 days, and today's the last day. Well done, you guys that have been doing it. Yeah, good job, 21 days. Um, and, you know, we, uh, having looked into this reality of hope, uh, it's, it's actually a reality for us as believers, that you as a believer, it's not something that you just look forward to, but actually it's the reality you embrace, that I will live with hope because God calls you to live in hope. Most especially in these times of uncertainty, where there's a lot of difficult things 
uh, you know, economic hardship and, and all sorts of things that are happening, it can be hard and overwhelming you know, uh, for us. And, uh, and we need to really embrace living a life of hope. Ever been in a situation where you, you were dying to see the situation change, but there's nothing you could do about it? Yeah? Am I talking to some human beings here, right? I mean, that reality of knowing that, hey, I, I want to change this situation. I want to see this situation change, but there's nothing that I could do about this situation. Or maybe there's something that you could do about it, but you look at the situation and see what you have, and you're like, this cannot compare. I don't have what it takes for me to be in a place like this, for me to face uh, the thing that I'm facing right now. And I think there are moments when God makes you see a situation so that you could be a part of a solution. You know, there are times that you probably have experienced this um, where you're like, I cannot believe they cannot see it. And I cannot believe they can't see what I'm seeing right now. And it's actually, yes, they cannot see, but God has made it clear to you and probably he wants you to be a part of a solution. He wants you to take a step, you know, to move towards something that God is calling in. And there are times that we know that actually God is inviting me to jump in this. There are times that we know that God is inviting me to enter into that situation, uh, to carry out that mission, but then we withhold. Then we are unable to enter you know, into that. And we are often gripped by fear. But one of the things that actually hinders from going into the things that God is calling us is actually insecurity. Is insecurity. You know, a part of insecurity, one part of insecurity is when you begin to compare yourself to other people. You know, so you're thinking maybe you're better than, or they're better than you, or maybe you are less than, or you're same as, you know, them. That's kind of like one part. But then the other part, if not the biggest part of insecurity, is when you see the mission that's in front of you, you see the task that's in front of you, and you see what you have, and you're like, I don't have what it takes to face this. I don't have enough on me to actually face this reality. There is nothing that I can carry in me that will help me to face this reality. And for me, one of my insecurities that kind of like tend to come up over and over again is an, an imposter syndrome. Um, you know, uh, an imposter syndrome happens a lot, you know, to, you know, creators, uh, people that are experiencing God's goodness. Like something is going great around you but then you are like, with the effort I'm putting in, I don't think it's enough to bring out this beauty that I'm experiencing. I don't know if you've ever been there in that space. It's like, yes, I am doing, but I don't think I'm doing enough to actually bring out this amazing goodness. And one of the things that imposter syndrome does is that it makes you to be afraid. So you're afraid of being found out. You know, you fear that you'll be found out that you're not, you're not as wise as other people think you are. You're afraid that you'll be found out that you're not as strong as other people think you are. You know, you, 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 you don't have it within you, and, and they will find that out. So you live in this fear. That's actually imposter syndrome. And some of you can relate to that. Some of you maybe cannot. But you have your own insecurities. Some of you don't feel like you're smart enough. You know, some of you don't feel like, you know, you are beautiful enough or handsome enough. And some of you don't feel like you're powerful enough. 
You know, some of you feel like your skills are lacking. You're like, like this is the only thing that I know, but I don't think I have enough skill to compete with those that are on the top. You know, some of you feel like, you know, your, your parenting lacks, you know. And all parents say, amen to that, right? Or maybe in your ministry, you know, uh, you feel like, no, you actually don't feel like you're qualified, you know, to do that. And most of us actually tend to disqualify ourselves because of the mistakes we have made. Most of us tend to disqualify ourselves because of the things that we've gone through. And we, and we are like, I don't deserve to be in that space. Oh, I don't have enough resources or I don't have enough education. So you feel insecure to carry out a mission that God might be calling you on. And the danger of insecurity is that it actually hinders you to fulfill the mission that God has for you. It hinders you. It hinders you because we would rather be in our shell than expose ourselves. Because when you move out of your insecurity, you're actually exposing yourself. And you're like, I don't know if I want to face that. Because people might find me out. You know? Or I'm exposing myself to this situation and it's going to show that I don't have what it takes. And the reason why we react that way is because for us, for you and I, we see the mission that's in front of us and we see it against us. So you see how big this task is in front of you and then you see how small you are. But actually God wants to change that for us because God wants you to see what's in front of you but then next he wants you to look at him. He wants you to look at God. And so when when you want to just pay attention to what's happening in front of you against who you are, you're always going to see yourself to be small and not having enough to fulfill whatever is in front of you. But God wants you to look at him. And this is why, you know, at the end of verse 14, you know, God says to Gideon, am I not sending you? Am I not sending you? And the reason why God is saying that is because God wants Gideon to pay attention not only to the mission, but to the one who is sending him on that mission. Am I not sending you? Because when you start to look at God, you're going to start to see how big God is. God is so big that there's nothing that can actually compare to him. There's nothing that can compare to him. So when we ascend on a mission, when God sends us on a mission and we see how big this mission is, we need to remember who is with us. That the one who is with us is actually bigger than anything else that we can face. So therefore, we pay attention to him. You know, and that actually changes everything. You know, a shift because you can say, oh, what a big task that God is sending me on. Or, you can say, what a big God that I have that he would actually send me on this task. That changes actually everything. Changes everything. You know? And often insecurity is going to hinder us from fulfilling that which God wants us to fulfill. And one way that I, I see uh, you know, in my life, uh, when, whenever like, I am afraid to jump into something that God is calling me, is when I'm more obsessed with the result 
rather than with who I am becoming. When I'm more obsessed with the outcome rather than the work that God is going to do, the process that I'll go through as I carry out this task for God. And I think most of us pay attention to the results. It's not only the work that is going to work for you, it is also a kind of work that works on you, a kind of work that works in you, that there is someone else you're becoming as you're saying yes to God. You're becoming something better as you're saying yes to God. So according to this passage, how does God handle, you know, insecurity? And we, may, we come to this passage and we encounter this guy Gideon. Now just a, a little bit of a story here. You know, Gideon, as he said, he was from the tribe of Manasseh, which was considered to be the least among us, all the 12 tribes. But then also in his family, in the tribe, was not only, he wasn't even firstborn. He was considered the least in his own family. So he was not somebody that people were looking up to, or at least the way he saw uh, himself. But then the Israelites found themselves in this reality. If you're reading the book of Judges, like you see this pattern over and over again. They are with God, things are going great, and now they rebel. They get in trouble, and God, like, you know, gives them over, or hands them over to their enemies. And then they realize this is hard, this is difficult. Then they cry out to God, just like we do when we're in trouble, right? They'll be like, come, God, please help me, right? And then God helps them, and things are good for a little bit, but then. They sin against God again, start worshiping idols, and then the same cycle. So over and over again, that would happen in the book of Judges. And now this is what's happening. The children of Israel are under the oppression of the Midianites. Now the Midianites were insane. Like they were merciless. They would see crops and just come and take the crops away, you know, from the Israelites. Um, at the beginning of this passage, uh, it talks about their camels, um, you know, you, they couldn't be counted. They were like locusts. And it's like, what camels are huge? Come on, you can count camels. But they're like, no, there were too many. Just like the dust in Lilongwe. And I just like, what are we going to do about this? Not too, much, too much here. So in the middle of this, he's like, let me protect wheat from the Midianites. So he just comes and takes food from us. Let me protect it. So I'm going to go into a wine press, you know, um, which they dug up, and he could go in there, and then uh, he would do his work, you know, day, there, day in and day out, uh, so that nobody would come and get food from him. And it is right in the middle of that. So he's somebody who is afraid, who is timid, right in the middle of that, that God comes to him. And, uh, you know, you don't realize what kind of insecurities you have until God calls you on a mission. And you see, you know, with Gideon here. So how does God respond to our insecurities? Number one, God calls you by what he sees in you, not by what you know about yourself. God calls you by what he sees in you, not by what you know about yourself. Verse 12 says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, when the, uh, he said, the Lord is with you, my warrior. The Lord is with you, my warrior. Now, this guy is hiding. This guy is hiding and he says, actually, I am the least in my family. So he's not feeling like he's a great warrior. He's not feeling like 
there is anything else in him. He's not feeling like, yes, I am a warrior. Thank you, God, for recognizing me. That's not what he's feeling like. In fact, you read that passage, you know, he even does not respond to God saying to him that you're a mighty warrior. He just responds to the first part. When God says, um, the Lord is with you, my warrior, he, he just says, let's not talk about my warrior. Let's just talk about the Lord with us. We don't feel that God is with us. Before, because if God was with us, we wouldn't have been facing what we're facing right now. And in fact, we have heard these amazing stories of what God did in the past. Why are we not experiencing those things right now? So he just goes there, you know. But if you read further, like God does not even respond to his complaints. He just tells him the next thing. The next thing that God says to him, like, go in your strength, right? He's like dodging the strength, the warrior part. But God says, go in your strength. I think sometimes God does not want us to respond, doesn't respond to our complaints. He just wants to move us to who we are becoming. Because God sees the beauty that he's going to create in you, that he's already creating in you, and he wants you to move towards that. So he doesn't even respond to his complaints. He just gives him the tasks. So he says to him, the Lord is with you, my warrior. Why? Because God calls him by what God sees in him, not by what Gideon is knowing about himself, because he sees himself, I'm weak, but God says, no, 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 you're not. There's a might warrior in you. There's a might warrior in you. And, you know, it's not that Gideon will just make himself to be a might warrior. It's God who's going to make him a might warrior. And because it is God who's going to make him a might warrior, therefore God will always call him in the direction of him being a might warrior. And that actually means that God will call you and he will ask you to do certain actions that sometimes might be uncomfortable for you. And the, and the reason why God is asking you to do those things is because he sees who you really are. He sees who you, who you are becoming. So he sees that. So he's like, no, you're, more, you're capable of this even though you don't think you are. Even though you don't think you are. And every single time, you say yes to God. You're moving close and close into the direction that God is calling you to be. And every single time you say no, you forfeit the opportunity to move towards who God wants you to be. Every single time you say no. And I think it is okay for you to feel afraid because sometimes we feel like when God says do not be afraid or when God calls us on a mission, uh, then it means that we have to be numb to, to, to fear. No, no, no. Like God is not calling you to be numb to fear. You will feel afraid. You will be afraid. You will even feel insecure. But God does not want you to make fear become a hindrance from you fulfilling his mission. He doesn't want your fear to be a hindrance for you to move into what he's calling you that you can actually use fear as a fuel to move towards God, to move towards where he is calling you. So are you willing to say yes? So that's how God responds to our insecurity, where he sees who are you becoming, where he sees what's in you, 
and he will call you by that. He'll call you by that. And sometimes I think our prayer should be, God, help me to see me the way you see me. Help me to see me the way you see me. That we can embrace that reality. Number two, God's call on your life is dependent on what he can do for you, not on what you could do for yourself. God's call on your life is dependent on what he could do for you, not on what you could do for yourself. Verse 15 and 14 says this, The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. You know, Gideon was paralyzed by the task that was in front of him. You know, he, yeah, he was just comparing himself and seeing where he's going, and he's like, no, I, think, I don't think this is going to work. He was looking at the things that he can do. He was looking at his own abilities. He was thinking warriors should have certain skills, should have certain abilities, should have certain experiences of which I don't have. So why are you calling him? Why are you calling me a mighty warrior? But God does it so that Gideon does not depend on what he could do for himself, but on what God can do for him. You know, there are moments that we say yes to God, not because we have trust in God, but we have trust in the things that we have. You know, there are moments that you say yes to God, uh, and you're like, hey, yeah, I could do it. I've got a little bit of money. I could do it. Yeah, I could do it. I've, I have a bit of education in that. I have a bit of experience in that, so I could do it. And I think there are times that God removes certain things so that you can come to a place where it's only him that you depend on and nothing else. So that you move in the direction of trust, that you don't only just trust God or look like you're trusting God because of what you have, but to know that I'm fully trusting God. I'm fully dependent on God. I want to just trust him. And that's what God calls us. You know, for you and I, that we will not just say yes to God because we have what it takes. That we're not going to say yes to God because we have things in life that will make this thing happen. We'll say yes to God because we've got God. We'll say yes to God because we have God on our side. We have God on our side. You know, God's solution to your insecurity is not often to like boost up your confidence to be like okay now let's boost up your confidence so that you can move into this no and the ultimate solution to your insecurities from god is actually in the provision of himself because he wants you not to depend on your confidence not to depend on the things that you're able to do he wants you to depend on him and him alone nothing else finally god's call on your life exposes a strength you never knew you had. God's call in your life exposes a strength you never knew you had. You know, verse 14 again says, The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? God says, Go in the strength that you have. Go in the strength that now that is so strange. And we know from his uh, Gideon's response, we know that this was strange. Because it's like, no, first of all, he, 
you know, God says, I'm, you know, he's with me, and that I'm, I'm, I might worry, and then he says, walk in the strength that I, that I have. I don't even feel strong. I don't even feel like I've ever experienced what it looks like to be a warrior, to be strong. I don't have that. But God wants to move him in a space. I don't know if you, if you have ever been in a situation where you're like, I never knew I was capable of doing that. Um, by the way, do you guys know that you heard about COVID four years ago? Insane, right? I guess thinking like it was last year. It's four years now, right? The, the first time we heard about COVID, four years ago. 2020, you know, in COVID, um, I remember like, my wife and I, we were expecting Tembi then. And we decided to have Tembi in Australia. Uh, so my wife went to Australia first, and then I followed her. And three days after I entered Australia, they closed the borders in Australia, which was like, praise God, I got in. Because those guys are strict, you know. They wouldn't let anybody, even their own people, got, come in after they, they closed the borders. So I was thankful to God that I was able to get in. And, you know, we, uh, in April, as we expected to, like, uh, we're approaching uh, the due date, and uh, we heard from the hospital that they're, like, they're not allowing guardians. And I'm like, I've traveled all the way from Africa. I'm going in, you know. Uh, so we got in there. They're like, oh, we don't have a bed for you, so maybe you shouldn't come in. I'm like, no, I'm from Africa. I know. I'm going to sleep on the floor, but I'm going to be in there. Uh, so let's do this. But one of the things that, you know, I had on my mind over and over again, Zach, you can confirm that. Zach, uh, they just got blessed by a baby girl this week. Congratulations. But one of, the, one of the things that I was like, you know, struggling with then was like, what kind of parent, what kind of dad will I be to this baby, you know, to this girl? Uh, will I be able to come her, put her to bed? Will I be able to do all of these things? Is that true, bro? Yeah? Okay, so it's a new dad's thing that we get to wrestle with questions like that. You know, ba a baby comes and, you know, that first night, uh, and the, the midwives were fantastic. Every time baby cries, they would take her out and bring her back, and she's come. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is amazing. I love Australia. Let's do this. Uh, but then come midnight, I got the message that now it's on you, you know. Like, take care of your baby. You decided this. Take care of your baby. So then, baby starts to cry, and, you know, I, by this time, I'd watched YouTube videos. I'd seen, you know, what I could do, you know, so I brought all the tactics uh, that, I've, that I've watched to calm a baby, and this baby would not calm down. I'm like, oh, no, this is not working. You know, now my fears are, like, really becoming a reality. Maybe I am failing, you know, doing this. Um, and then, I think I was, like, we were both kind of getting tired and then at some point, I just like rocked her like two times. And then I just saw her like come down. I'm like, uh-oh, that did something. I stopped and she started to cry. Then I started to rock again. And then she started to come down. Now, I had to do that for like two hours. Now, guys, whew, I got stronger though. You know, I realized in that moment that I never knew that I was already prepared to be a parent until I found myself in a situation like that. You know, there are certain strengths 
that you never know that you've got. Certain strength that you never know that God already provided for you until you find yourself in a place where you have to exercise it. And I've said here so many times that, you know, often we pray for God to strengthen us. That God give me the strength. But then we are not willing to go to a place where we will experience God's strength. Because the places where we will experience God's strength are places we are afraid to go in. Are places that we are not willing to jump into. But that's where God will actually strengthen you. So go. Go in your strength. Move. Go and realize the strength that God has already given you. But you're going to realize that if you move into this situation, if you walk into this situation. And I'm just thinking of Gideon, like, I wonder what he was thinking, you know, going through this hard season where they have no peace. And I wonder if there are moments that he was thinking or wishing he was born in another context. I wonder if maybe there were moments when he was like, I want to just get myself out of here. I want to apply for that visa and get it and just get out of here, right? But, you know, often God never removes us from hard situations, but he joins us in hard situations. You know, often God chooses to strengthen you in the middle of that hard situation rather than removing you from it. Often God chooses to help you right in the middle of that hard situation rather than to remove you from it. Often God chooses to hold you by the right hand right in the middle of that situation rather than removing you from it. Often God chooses to be with you in the valley of the shadow of death and he never leaves and he walks with you through that valley instead of removing you from it. So God joins you in God stays, and he walks with you. All right, quickly, how can you apply this? How can you apply this in your life? Number one is just a realization. Remember that you belong to God. Remember you belong to God. You know, um, Gideon talks about his family, like, oh, I am the least in my family. And the reason why he says that is because when you come face-to-face with insecurity, insecurity attacks your identity. So you begin to struggle with the who question. Who am I? Who am I? Can't you see the person that I am, that I come from at least, I'm I'm the least one in my family. Can't you see that my family is not powerful? Can't you see this reality? But God responds to that by saying, I will be with you. In other words, you belong to me. You belong to God. So you will be fine. So remember that you belong to God. Whatever you're facing right now, Remember that actually belong to God, and God is for you. Number two, remember you are on God's mission. Remember you're on God's mission. You know, often God sends us on a mission, but then for some reason, we take it on to be our mission, and we forget that it is God's mission. So remember, it is God's mission. And if God calls you to it, he will see you through it. If God calls you to it, he will see you through it. He will carry you through it. It's God's mission. It's God's mission. And, and finally, start from where you are. Start from where you are. One way that God speaks to our insecurity is to actually remind us that we are exactly where he is. 
we are exactly where God is. And therefore, you can start there, and you're not going to start alone. You actually start with God. You know, sometimes when we think about being sent on a mission for God, we are thinking about big things. But actually, this could be in the mundane of things, day-to-day living, where you're living for God every single day. Every single day, you're living for Him. Now, I think now it's, it's now a decade ago when I, um, I finished college. And when I was in college, we were doing, we were like going through the book of Judges. And I got to tell you, I struggled with the book of Judges. I struggled a lot because there's a lot of violence in the book of Judges. And in fact, even in this passage that we just read, there's a line there that God says to Gideon, or the angel uh, says to Gideon, you're going to defeat the Midians and no one is going to be alive. There's, there's a lot of genocide in the book of Judges. And, you know, sometimes we read scripture and you just, like, glance over it. Like, you just read and just like, oh, oh, yeah, they were victorious and that's it. But not really to wrestle with what's actually happening. To actually sit and be like, wait a minute. And there's just a lot of violence in this, you know. And I did struggle with that, with that reality uh, of, like, why? Why did it have to get there, you know, um, where, like, in other passages, even like there were instructions about, you know, women and children being killed, like, like completely. And you cannot read that and not wrestle with that. Otherwise, you're not really wanting to face what's going on, right? And I remember one day, uh, you know, we're sitting in a classroom and I stand up and I say to my professor, uh, like, I am really struggling with the book of Judges. Too much violence and, you know, villages being wiped out. Like, I'm really struggling with that. And I was looking for, like, you know, for him to give me some profound insight to help me with my wrestling. Uh, and, and he looked at me and said, mm, yeah, I get it. Mm, it's hard. And that's it. I'm like, come on, professor. Give me something, like something to, to rely on, right? And he didn't. Now, you know, there's spaces that I have wrestled with that over and over again. And I have... Some theologians here, uh, Dr. Brown, who was one of my professors, is here, a, ma- a fantastic theologian. Other people here, you know, that probably we could wrestle with this and even debate and stuff like that. But I just want to point you to one reality. Whenever you're reading scriptures, always see scripture through the eyes of Jesus. In fact, you need to come to a place of when, whenever you think of the word of God, equated to Jesus, that Jesus becomes synonymous with the Word of God. That when you think of Word of God, Jesus is the Word of God. You have to come to that reality. Because when you're reading a passage like this, you realize that Jesus is our better Gideon. In the time of, the, in the time of Gideon, the Midianites were going to die so that the Israelites would have freedom. But when Jesus comes, he offers to free us from the bondage of sin and that he is willing to die. He's willing to die for both the Israelite, but also he's willing to die for, for the Midianite. That he dies for those that are deserving of spiritual death. That Jesus is our better Gideon, who is never concerned about preserving his life, but actually he willingly lays down his life so that you and I can have a connection with God 
the Father. Jesus is our better Gideon, who when faced with a big task, he never asks for sign to really know if this is God sending him on this mission. He looks at you and me and see our lostness. And that in itself is a sign that compels him to lay down his life so that you and I can have life. Jesus is our better Gideon who never acts in secrecy and in hiding. But actually he comes out in public and goes to the cross and publicly gives his life so that we can have hope in him. Jesus is our better Gideon who never kills his enemies, but he dies for his enemies so that his enemies can experience true life in him. Jesus is better. Just close your eyes for a moment. Some of you know where God is calling you. Some of you know where God is inviting you. And maybe you just need to pray for strength. Maybe you just need to pray like, God, I want to move into this for you are with me, for you walk with me. Just take a moment to pray for yourself that God would help you. Whatever it is that you are facing in front of you, that God would help you. Just take a moment to just pray for yourself. here you don't have a connection with God your heart is very far from Jesus you have not experienced this Jesus whom we're saying is better you don't have a connection you don't have any relationship with God if you're here Jesus has a better offer for you he wants you to give you he wants to give you a new life he wants you to experience a newness in your life and if you're here and you're willing to say yes to Jesus I wanted to just pray the simple prayer. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sin. Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sin. If you want to have a connection with God, just pray that prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sin. And if you have prayed that prayer, I want to just pray for you. If you have prayed that prayer, just raise your hand. I want to just pray with you. Just raise your hand. I want to just pray with you. If you pray that prayer, if there's anybody else, if there's anybody else, just raise your hand. Jesus, I thank you for these brothers and sisters. I thank you, Father God Almighty, for you have a better offer for them. I thank you, Father God Almighty, that in you they can experience what it looks like to have free, true freedom. So may they walk in the freedom that Christ gives them. May they walk in the grace that Christ offers them for you are better and I pray for every single one of us Lord may you may we say yes to God not because we are strong but because the God that we have is stronger and therefore he walks with us in the name of Jesus we pray amen
We're going to have prayer counselors around. If you are looking for prayer, feel free to go and be prayed for, for anything or anything that you're trusting God to do in your life. And, and, and as we do that, I want to ask us to stand and worship God one more time as we finish.